Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Do you need another excuse to travel? I mean, seriously, do you really need another excuse to travel? Probably not. But today I'm going to give you one anyway. We're counting down the top five hidden gem film locations for travelers. And this this concept kind of goes into uh, the bucket of excuses for traveling, right? Like you're combining one of your passions. In this case, my guest has a passion for film with her passion for travel and going to these iconic uh, film locations around the world. So we're going to talk all about that. We're going to hear her top five hidden gem film locations countdown all the way to number one. Along the way, you'll hear some of the things that I like to do as well and some of my favorites that uh, I have had the opportunity to go to. And this gets you to some off the beaten places. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we got a lot to cover. So uh, should we get into this episode are you ready my friend maybe you should buckle up that uh that invisible safety belt strap in and grab your favorite beverage sit back and recline i know maybe all of us haven't been on a plane for a while so now you can uh you can you can just close your eyes and take yourself to that wonderful uh plane experience just traveling right now with me all of us here in the community on this show Let's get into it. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. A lot of little surprises in today's show. I like little surprises and uh, I love little surprises when I'm traveling, right? You go to a place and uh, maybe you don't expect much. You don't have too high of uh, expectations for some reason. And then it blows you away or just something about it. Maybe it's not a super special town in any way, but you just vibe with it. You know, I love when that happens when you're traveling. And one of the ways that you can set yourself up for some travel surprises like that is traveling for another reason, not necessarily for the destination, but for some 
excuse just to go somewhere. And that's what we're talking about today. As you heard at the top, my guest has a bucket list of all of these film locations that she wants to visit around the world. And so she's using this as an excuse to kind of check these places out. She loves film. That's one of her passions. She loves travel. So why not combine them? And I I love this concept. And in fact, at the end of the show, after the interview, I'm going to share with you my top three favorite excuses to travel. You might hear one of them during the interview, which uh, also breaks down a top five list for you. You're going to hear the five hidden gem film locations for travelers, and I share some of my favorites along the way as well. So we're going to reveal some surprises along the way in this show. And how are you doing today? Doing good. I've been hearing from some of you on email, and I always appreciate that. Drop me a line anytime, Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this lovely listening community as well on the back end of the show. So a lot going on today. All right, let's get into today's show. Don't forget to stick around on the other side. I will share those top three uh, excuses that I have for travel, my favorite travel excuses and a shout out somebody in the community as well. And we'll leave you with a quote. So stick around for all that fun stuff at the end. Enjoy my chat with Rebecca and I will see you on the other side. Hello. What's up? I'm good. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Nice to see you. Wait, I mean, you're in the UK, but I see a map of the United States behind you. Yeah, that's a bit. Um, only three states have been scratched off thus far, so <laughs> ah, it's a scratch off map. Yeah, it's looking a bit. It's looking a bit intact at the moment. <laughs> Which states have you been to? Um, just oh, I don't know. I have to look. Florida, <laughs> New York, and Pennsylvania. Because I was a camp counselor in Pennsylvania. You see, so really, yeah. Okay, um, wait, wait, whereabouts? Um, quite near Scranton, so like the north, northeast yes. area. But it's backwoods, just, backwoods, PA. Is that what it's called? <laughs> well, no, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty rural, kind of. You know, small town Pennsylvania. Yeah, definitely small town. But it's funny because I hadn't watched The Office at that point. But I've also been to Niagara <laughs> Falls, so I seem to have, on paper, been like one of the biggest Office fans because I've been to Scranton and I've been to Niagara Falls as well. But I hadn't actually seen it. But those are the two like big locations that are in even though it's not filmed in scranton but obviously it's set there so yeah i found that quite funny how did you find the summer camp experience the american summer camp experience it, to but, be you know, I, I, I absolutely loved it but it was a bit different so it was a performing arts camp okay so it wasn't the whole capture the flag like team oriented lots of sports kind of camp it was like quite a small rural we do horseback riding and camping but we also do plays uh, music art things like that so it yeah it was really really good it was good fun <laughs> what was the biggest difference in like that you noticed in american or u.s culture versus uk culture <sighs> the biggest difference um gosh i don't, oh, I, I don't know something that stood out maybe <sighs> That's uh, that's really difficult because I feel like I've kind of grown up a little bit more with having lots of films and TV shows of American culture. It's different to know. I guess there are a lot more. I was going to say a lot more outspoken kids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other question. Like, is the the film and TV representation an accurate depiction of American life? I mean, you know. Um, no. It can never be completely <laughs> accurate, right? It's just 
yeah, it's like a heightened kind of polished version, I guess, as you would you would expect. But um, but no, but I, but I also wouldn't say outspoken in a bad way. I would just say that maybe um, <laughs> English kids are probably more likely to talk behind your back, whereas American kids are probably more likely to tell you what what they think of you to your face, which I, <laughs> isn't always a bad thing. So yeah, <laughs> right. That's funny. Yeah, it's a good general rule. Like never say something behind somebody's back that you wouldn't say to their face. Yeah, exactly. I I appreciate that, definitely, yeah. (laughs) That's a good human rule. I didn't even thought about uh, discussing the subject of, you know, sort of the, how a country or a culture can be depicted on film and TV and, and the reality of that, like when you actually visit that place for the first time, you know, nothing can ever really match what, you know, film and TV is a fantasy, and, you know, but, but you can't help as a human to take in some of those ideas and get, the, you know, especially like films coming out of the U.S. Like there's so many big films coming out for so many years and, and so many people watching them around the world that like you're going to get this idea of what America is. But is it really the, any even any version of that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's such a it's such a tough one. And, and you kind of hope that if it isn't what you imagined it would be that it is something else that is positive that you still kind of you see another side of it maybe that isn't what you expected but that you also appreciate as well I guess that's kind of the hope that if it didn't because I guess nowhere is it it depends you know if it's a if it's a local or an outsider's perspective on that film or TV show as well, it depends, you know, who's behind the camera um, as well as in front of the camera. There's so many variables. It's just, yeah, you just kind of hope that one way or another that it's still a positive experience, no matter no matter if it's as, as you expected or not. <laughs> That's true. But uh, you know what's funny? The and then I'm going to introduce you. Actually, this this is actually the show is happening right now. But I'm going to have to introduce you. But this this thought of being out of the US for so long, like I think the longer I'm living in Europe, the more I kind of identify with fellow Europeans that kind of think the, at least in Norway, they're like kind of like roll their eyes with the sort of the happy American Hollywood ending. It's like, oh gosh, here we go again. Like, (laughs) you know, they're doing that Hollywood ending thing. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know if it's just kind of like this. I don't know why that attitude is there. Uh, First I was like, well, what's wrong with that? But then I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. It's it's a little bit annoying sometimes after a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so funny, especially watching um, um, for example, Bollywood films because they had they're so their own style. Like they're almost always musicals. They're almost always three plus hours long, and they've they're always and that's what the audiences who watch the Bollywood films absolutely love. But then you get you know start Western films. We kind of you know we're get, films are getting longer and longer but we want 90 minutes we're some of us aren't a fan of musicals we d- don't want everyone's life story in a in a film but yeah so it's just a completely yeah different how films are made in different cultures is yeah very interesting and it's interesting how it can be a reflection of those cultures in in some ways but like you said maybe like a heightened or more extreme version of some of these cultural attributes, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting into it with uh, my guest today, who's the founder of AlmostGinger.com. You might not be surprised to hear this. It's a cinema and travel blog. 
aimed at showing film and TV lovers how their silver screen escapes can be a reality by documenting her own travels to filming locations and film festivals around the world. She's on a personal quest to hit up every single Harry Potter filming location in the UK, which is cool. Like nerdily cool. I love it. And uh, we're going to dive deep on this fun and unique topic of film tourism. So uh, Rebecca Sharp, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Pleasure, pleasure <laughs> to be here. Well, you wrote me a really sweet email and you said you've been listening to the show for a while and then you were sharing you know, all of your, uh, the work that you do. And you had some really cool pictures of you, like in these, uh, I guess you could call them iconic film spots, you know, like, and you, it was great because you, you paired them together. Like you had the picture of Owen Wilson, like lounging on the stairs from, uh, from midnight, midnight in Paris. In Paris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's you lounging on the, the same stairs. And it was like, it was really cute. So anyway, I'm excited because this is a fun topic and it's just another, unique way to travel and like another I mean excuse to travel right and you mentioned in the email like if you listen to the show you know I am a fan of you know we're we love travel but like everybody has other interests too so when you know you got to have some missions sometimes when you travel and it's like whether you love coffee and you're looking around for the best coffees or whatever you're into it's nice to combine some of those passions and then if you take a passion and you just use it as an excuse it's like kind of like, all right, well, yeah, like I just want to do something and I might as well just like use this as an excuse to travel, whether it's uh, like you've been doing with film locations and festivals or music or whatever. And that those are like great trips, right? Because a lot of times, you know, I, I've like definitely taken road trips just to see a concert. So it wasn't like, it's a, it's a different way, right? You're like, you're there to see the concert and like the sort of the destination that the concert is being held is like sort of a byproduct of like the reason why you're going, but then you're also at the same time, it, it's kind of a different way to be visiting a destination, right? Cause you're like, you're seeing a destination, but you're not like, Oh, I'm going to this place. I want to check out this place. You're like, I'm going to check out this thing because it's there. And then I happen to just kind of be there. So I'm going to check the rest of it out. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a win-win. It's, it switches <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just uh yeah. Another, another way to, another way to travel, another way to mix in different passions. It's yeah. So you can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we going to do today? We talked about, I mean, do you have like a little list ready for us? Or I, I, I have some general questions, but, you know, we always like these countdown lists. I'm not sure if you prioritized any or like... I have kind of prioritized a few. Yeah, I've gone into the I've gone into the back catalog of, of locations I, I've been to and things like that and different... and what different countries or regions offered in terms of filming locations. So I'm I'm happy to do um a bit of a list. Uh, what do you call what are you calling this list? Uh. <laughs> Is this gonna be like like top five, ten famous film locations for travelers? What do you so I have to say, so um, I've not, I mean, I, I guess everyone, everyone has places where they're like, oh, but I can't talk about, I cannot talk about this location and I've not been and I can't talk about that location if we're talking about like the ultimate top five. But um, I have got, a, I've got a bit of a list of five ready and I, I put number five as one that I haven't, haven't been to, but I felt like I couldn't, couldn't miss it off. But then um, the other four are kind of, some I think um, if people are listening and they're they're quite into the or a little bit into filming locations, they might predict they're coming. But I feel like I've chosen four places that I've been to that maybe are a little bit obscure, maybe not an obvious choice. 
or at least there are reasons behind them that maybe people haven't thought of before. Okay, cool. So this is, uh, we'll say it's, you know, five, you know, these lists are all always subjective. So it's all in yeah. good fun, right? We're not going to like hunt you down in two years if you change your mind. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, Rebecca, that was, but it's kind of fun to count down these things. We can call them like maybe like five of the of the best, say like hidden gem, famous film locations for travelers, something like that. But I say one, we're gonna do? one one kind of really isn't a hidden gem. I That's would okay. say we'll just we're just going <laughs> to put it right under there. OK. All right. No. All right. I want to get into this list because it's fun to count these things down and, and add some suspense and everything like that and to get getting to the number one is always a fun thing. But first, like, let's talk a little bit about how you got into this, because I know you have a degree in screen studies and you said you're a big cinephile. How did the interest in film come about for you? It's, it's quite funny because I guess I didn't realize that everyone else wasn't as into film as I was until maybe I was about 16, 18 when I wanted to start studying film because I was in a group of friends that we were kind of getting into um, like what was ever was considered dark and cool films at that time, like by Tim Burton and Tarantino and David Fincher films. And it was only when I decided that I wanted to go in and study film that I was like, oh, maybe everyone else isn't as into film as I am uh, because I've always been really obsessive about watching lots of films and particularly, of course, like you said the Harry Potter films as well when I was around 10 or 12 they were basically my life I would just watch all of the special features on DVDs and um, watch all the commentaries behind the scenes things like that and I also wanted to be an actress when I was younger as well so I guess that kind of pushed me towards watching watching more films so yeah I don't I don't really know what it was about films I just always remember being super into them and wanting to know if if there was a film that I latched onto I would just watch it constantly um and want to know everything about its making it's everything about it really I was just was super obsessive about films from yeah probably about 10 12 onwards so yeah and then I just didn't realize that everyone else wasn't as into film as I was I was like <laughs> why, why, isn't, why isn't more people really into film film is awesome um, right. But yeah, so that's kind of how that how that started. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like, well, I don't I don't think I've met many people that are like, oh, I hate to watch movies. Like everybody because I like, enjoy to watch a good movie. But then there's like, well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> being into it, you know, which is which is a, a different thing. I, I mean, so what? I'm not sure if you had aspirations. You mentioned wanting to be an actress when you were younger, but I mean, there are a lot of things you can do with film. Of course, you can work on the set. You can try to be in the films as an actor and actress. You can direct. You can screenwrite. And you're, I'm not sure if those are things you're pursuing on the side or if you're just like, you know what, I'm also like obsessed with travel and how can I make this work with my film obsession? Like, was there a process there of what I call passion mashing? <laughs> um, not, not really. I mean, I think I wanted to kind of work in TV whilst I was at university, but then I had a, a kind of corporate job in the, in the, uh, film industry making films for events and that was quickly shut down do not want to work behind the scenes it's a different kind of appreciation um completely um but it's it's funny you say like um the kind of jump between film and travel because I think looking back at the trips that I took with my family um when I was a teenager we started to take like city breaks around around Europe particularly London Paris and Rome were ones that I remember taking as a teenager. And um, if there's anyone, anyone from both sides of the pond listening, any women in particular around the age of 30 um, might be 
um, remember watching the Mary Kate and Ashley films. Um, they were really big around that time, and maybe the Lizzie McGuire movie. And they went to Passport to Paris, Winning London, When in Rome. They went to all those locations. And I remember when I was 14, and my mum will definitely remember, trekking across Kensington Gardens in London to hunt out this bloody Peter Pan statue that was in winning London that I was desperate to see um so I really don't really remember any time where visiting film locations wasn't part of the trips I did even when I was a teenager and Luxembourg Gardens in Paris as well I didn't know that it was actually quite a famous place that people went to in Paris but Mary-Kate and Ashley went there in Passport to Paris so we went to Luxembourg Gardens um yeah it was just it's always been just kind of I wasn't conscious of it obviously but it's always been something oh and while we're there we should check out this place that was in this film it's just literally it's it's literally always been in the back of my mind so I guess it was more of an organic transition as I got older as I got more into film that and got more into travel that I would see going to Flamoon locations like going to landmarks essentially yeah right and that that sounds super organic but then it's like okay, now you're trying to create like a business around that, which is another level of it, right? Yeah, I guess I, guess I never really thought that, it's another thing as well, I didn't think that there would be as many people into filming locations as I, as I was, but then as I looked into it and started to create these blog posts and saw more and more people coming to my website, I was like, no, actually, Tons of people are into filming locations. Millions of people every year are hunt out places because of filming locations and they're only getting more and more popular. But um, but because I don't really know of many other... I mean, there's lots of people on Instagram who are um, particularly taking pictures of filming locations and they'll do something called scene framing where they'll hold up like a, like a tablet or a picture with the, with the shot from the film in the middle and then there'll be the real-life background um, in the back. Um, but I don't really know many other bloggers or YouTubers. Uh, there'll be some definitely who do this. But so I, I guess I wasn't really sure that it was something I could do as an actual business to make money from until I actually started doing it and people were coming to my website and other people were, were into it. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just ca- kind of how that happened. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic 
destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Yeah, I always find it inspiring when, you know, people like yourself have such a, a, a love and a passion for something and then they actually kind of like do everything they can to, to make, to be around that, to make that a, like a, an everyday part of their lives. And I mean, certainly, you know, if you start something like almostginger.com, like, you know, you, you just start working in that, like you are essentially just, around something that you're really passionate about every day and i know that's not everybody's jam like some people might want to do like sort of the regular job and then like just go home and like forget about it and then they can focus on their stuff on the side because they it might you know maybe they're worried oh this is gonna if i make it a job thing it's gonna take the fun out of it do you have any reservations or comments about that honestly not really no (laughs) because i really do (laughs) it's fun i really do love it and i don't think i would be pursuing it if i didn't love it 100 as i do and be willing to work on it as as hard as i do and um and when i did i i for about three years after i finished um university i was working in office jobs primarily but i just it was uh, that realization that so many people have and it's like oh when am I gonna get to do all the things I want to do like this the maths doesn't work out like with my annual leave and all of these things that I want to do and I don't want to leave leave it 50 40 years however long it takes so no that was it was literally just the process of thinking that you know a lot of people listening will have it's just that I don't want to do this and I really want to do this and I'm just going to give it, I'm just going to give it my all and, and see where it gets me. And I guess I was just, I just kind of feel kind of lucky that my passion is something that other people are also interested in and that I've been able to cultivate it in the way that I have. Um, because yeah, a lot of other people like filming locations and that's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like, you know, you have to put yourself out there and explore that to understand that, of course. So I think it can be intimidating sometimes when you look at an industry that you you might idolize or in some way like like the film industry or maybe the music industry or these different industries for people when they're growing up and it just seems like okay like yeah like i could that's like a whole industry but like how could i break into that industry right but like meanwhile to understand that there are so many different types of jobs in these industries. That's why there are multi-billion-dollar industries that you can you can be in it and be around it. And if you still can't figure out a way, then you could do something like you've done, Rebecca, and just start your own thing. That kind of and make yourself fit, like open it up and like squeeze yourself somewhere in that space. You know, I just wanted to get that out there in case anybody's like mulling things around in their heads and considering things. I don't know. 
that's so funny that you put it like that because that's exactly how I how I see it it's just like how did I how did I make this oh how am I making this happen for myself because it doesn't it that's exactly that's exactly how I see it it's just I've I've literally thought right what is my what are my passions really thought about it really what do I do what do I like doing what would I if I'm doing something that I um you know it doesn't I don't wake up in the morning and think this is great that I do this maybe it's a bit hard but I'm still really this is meaningful to me this is what I'm passionate about if it's not that then what is it and it's literally film and travel right how can I combine the two I love going to film festivals abroad film and locations abroad how can I make money from that and how in a way that would be meaningful to me that I could help others with their travels as well and yeah and that that's for me that was making making the blog and sometimes what what people want to do even now in in this age people might not have done it before and sometimes that could be quite difficult when you're not following a path that has already been laid out for you um it's a lot harder to maybe think think of the that as a possibility but yeah that's exactly how I kind of see it is just I just don't know how sometimes I just don't know how I managed to even go down this path because it's just seems too it just seems too out there but yeah no but I'm I'm doing it and I'm abs- absolutely loving that I'm, I mean it's I'm, a great I'm, recipe yeah, right you it. know if you're trying to figure <laughs> out your next thing and you're listening it's like all right well if you want to do some passion mashing you know take two things you're passionate <laughs> about try to like thoughtfully and consciously figure out a way you can combine them and squeeze yourself in that space and I like the what you said you know in a way that's meaningful to you and helps other people what a wonderful recipe for a for a a business, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's start at number five and count down on this list here. And then I got, I got some more questions for you on the back end because, uh, well, we should start this off by saying, you know, there are some debates around like over tourism. You mentioned this in your email, like Maya Bay in Thailand from the beach, the famous movie, the beach in 2000, I've been to that beach and, and now it's shut down, I think, or like Dubrovnik from Game of Thrones. So two examples that you mentioned, what are your thoughts around these super popular destinations and over tourism and the issues uh, related to that? Well, it's just it's definitely something to consider. Like we're all trying to be more conscious and um, mindful travelers. And that is something to to be mindful of when when we travel. Um, But it's it's so interesting because it must be impossible if you're a film production and you're going to these locations to know what is going to become popular or you can't like I mean, films, I'm sure they could if they would um, predict what's going to do well and if how well are going to do at the box office but and you can't predict like what lo- how locations are going to be- become so popular and so huge um, and yeah over tourism is definitely an issue in the in the um, for film locations yeah so like you said with with Maya Bay um, they've had to shut it down maybe something will happen to have happen to happen with like that with Dubrovnik um, because I know UNESCO have said it cannot take the weight of the tourists that are going to visit it every every year um, and so that's probably Dubrovnik isn't going to appear on screen anymore I doubt because they'll probably want to dissuade people from going um, but but film tourism can actually have like a lot of positives for different places like if you take the another location from Game of Thrones look at Northern Ireland um Northern Ireland attracted tens of thousands of tourists every year with like 30 busloads of tourists traveling from Dublin and Belfast every week. Um, And 
if you um, look at the history of Northern Ireland, not a lot of international travellers maybe go there. Um, a lot of people, for a lot of people, the Troubles probably weren't that long ago, um, which lasted for about two decades into into the 90s. So they've become like the officially licensed Game of Thrones place, like they're opening up the studio tour. Um and they're really capitalising on it. It's 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 a really positive thing for for Northern Ireland. So sometimes film tourism can really highlight a destination that's really underserved. But it's just knowing. I mean, they you can't, or maybe you can, but I don't think you can really predict where what's going to be be popular. And another thing for Northern Ireland as well, I guess, is that the locations from Game of Thrones are quite spread out, which is why it's quite a big thing with bus trips. So you don't get a massive congregation of people just in one place. They're kind of dotted around. Whereas, of course, Dubrovnik, it's it's King's Landing. It's a massive location. It's a throughout the whole sh- whole show, even though there are other places in Croatia that are in the show, it's just such a big location. People are congregated there. And I and I have to say, I'll be honest as well, I've not been to Dubrovnik, but I do, I do intend on going. I think I would go in January um, and go in the absolute off season. For me, as a film and locations blogger, I'm not really that fussed about the weather. I'll, I'll go whenever. But um, but yeah, so I think it, it I think we do have to be mindful of, of locations like that. And it's funny you say Maya Bay as well, actually. It's a bit odd because I went about a couple of months after the closure happened. So it's very odd. You can still get in the bay, um, but you can't. It's kind of like a swimming pool cordoned off with a rope type of thing. So you can't actually go on the beach. So you can still kind of like snorkel around it, but you just can't like go on the beach. So it was still a, a worthwhile experience for me. But I think things like that are going to are gonna have to happen, it, whether it's because of film tourism or not in general in, in the future, if, if, if we need to preserve places then there needs to be some some limitations i guess but yeah um it's i hope in the future of film tourism that places that are underserved will hopefully work more with the film industry like destination marketing organizations can hopefully work with the film industry to in attracting um productions to places that would really would really benefit from film tourism that would that would be great to see yeah yeah thanks for sharing that i mean there's there's so many issues around it right like we can't possibly explore them all on this podcast but i mean think about you know the nature preservation for example in like maya bay like you're talking about like preserving the nature there but then there's you know there there might be uh, in a place like uh like that you know you have locals that are are also like dependent on tourism so like they maybe don't want it to go down Uh, and then you have other people that are locals that don't they care they're happy the tourists are gone right so there's there are all these perspectives and issues uh related to it but i i, I was just curious about your thoughts because i know some of these you know some of these places they end up in these films they don't expect like that this is going to change their town or their area forever just because like hollywood came one day or whatever and like you know did a couple scenes and the next thing you know there they are ten thousand busloads of tourists yeah <laughs> piling exactly. in and they're like come on <laughs> yeah. maybe some of them but again some are happy films don't know how well they're going to do you can't tell what locations people are gonna you know connect with the most it's just so right. it's just such a guessing game um but i'm sure there is some sort of thing that you you could there might be some strategic way of uh, going going about it but it it just so depends on the on the film project and there's so many variables yeah it's it's really it's really difficult yeah you can't you can't plan for these things i guess 
All right. Well, we're getting into your your top five here. Top five, very subjective, we know. Top five, uh, we're going to say, uh, you know, hidden gem type famous film locations for travelers. And uh, let's, get your, let's get your number five. Okay. So my, my number five, it, I've, I've, just, I've just chosen it purely because um, it's where I'm from in the, in the English Lake District. And it's a film I really love. Um, and it is a little bit, it's not very famous, very um, visited places in the Lake District. It's a little bit off the beaten path, but it's one of the places I get the most emails about really bizarrely from people who are going on what you call it a pilgrimage. So it's the filming locations in a British cult film called With Nail and Die. It's from mm-hmm. 1989. It stars Richard E. Grant. Um, wow, and, getting yeah. really obscure here, know, right I mean, off the I, bat. It's just I won't talk about this one for very long. I was <laughs> going to talk about somewhere. If we're going to, I was going to talk about somewhere that I've not been that is definitely not obscure. But I'll save that for uh, honorable honorable mentions at the end. But I'm going. This is this is pretty obscure. But I I love this one because a lot of people listening maybe in England. It was a film that you watched when you went to like university, um, and it's filmed at Horswater Reservoir, and there's a little cottage called Sladale Hall and so many people every every year go on like a little pilgrimage around all the film and locations so I won't spend too too long talking about those locations I'll just leave it as that but it's very obscure but it's but the, all of the locations are in the English Lake District and that's a film that's very close to my heart and every year actually they do a screening of the film of the film with Nail and I outside the cottage that is featured in the film as well the owner's really cool like he'll come out and watch it and things like that so um it's just a really nice experience and i know that there are like facebook groups of people who just absolutely <laughs> love this film and love to see the location nice. so yeah that's number five english lake district as seen in with nail and i keeping it in your own backyard yep <laughs> first one uh, i mean i think that's a great example too of like uh, English Lakes District is supposed to be so gorgeous and a place I'd never been. So it's like, well, hey, there's an excuse to visit the Lakes District, right? I mean, it's just a destination in and of itself. So if you want to weave something like that in and you're a cinephile, then go for it. All right, number four. Okay, number four, um, not obscure at all, um, yeah. but a different way of looking at a city perhaps that um, is quite well-touristed. Um it's Paris, France, and I couldn't not include it because I've got so many. I've got I've got so many good reasons why Paris. Because why, why Paris above any other European city? London, Rome. There's so many amazing films, but there are some great uh, films with some great filming locations that are set in Paris, particularly English-speaking. Um, films in Paris that could be their own self-guided walking tour. Like, why not plan a trip to Paris as seen in Before Sunset, the 2004 film starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy? You know, you start at Shakespeare and Company Bookshop and then you walk a lot longer than they do in the film, but you can do it, to um, Le Pure Café and have a have a coffee there. And then maybe you, perhaps you walk along Promenade Planty as well, which is like Paris's version of New York Highline and kind of see Paris from a different perspective and see it as like a walking tour. In, in, and we've already mentioned um, Midnight in Paris as well. You, you can you can see... You can see Paris from a from a film perspective as well, and Amelie as well. You can go to um, Café de Du Moulin in in Montmartre and see Montmartre through the eyes of Amelie. So I really love that Paris has these films that have been shot there, where you can really you can see some of the iconic landmarks, but you can also see a 
some slightly more off the radar places as well um because through filming locations naturally like they'll have some iconic places but they'll also have you know random cafes and things like that that you can do so yeah i, I had to include paris for for that reason yeah cool uh, <laughs> by the way i don't know what this list is so this is all a surprise to me as we go along this is just um, a mishmash of locations that i really love <laughs> <laughs> that's great i mean before sunset's a wonderful movie you know i like what you said about just Again, like visiting some of these locations can just take you to a different part of the city that you might not have gone otherwise, you know? Like, you all know if you're going to go to Paris, you're going to visit the Eiffel Tower. So, like, duh. But but it's a great excuse to go maybe see some different parts and, like, have an adventure. Maybe you venture off to sit on the stairs like you did, uh, like Owen Wilson did in, in Midnight in Paris. But, like, maybe because you went there, you find, like, this awesome restaurant on the way or you, like, you meet some cool people or you have some great wine in a small cafe, like, just because you're in that neighborhood that you never would have gone to. I love that idea. Yeah, um, def- definitely. And um, and also as well, like, the locations in these, especially, um, I mean, there were so many great like actual french films i'm clear i'm being a very ignorant anglophone here by just talking about yes. the <laughs> yeah i mean hey listen you know whatever there could be a whole podcast on you know f- movies shot in paris oh I'm my god sure. yeah um, but <laughs> season 25 <laughs> you know yeah um but there's also this this what i what, why i wanted to mention paris as well is there's this fantastic event it, that happens in Paris. Um, it's usually every week, but they've got a Facebook page. They're called Lost in Frenchlation. So like Lost in Translation, but Lost in Frenchlation. And they put on, uh, they realised it was a, a French a French woman and her Australian boyfriend, and they wanted to go to the cinema, but they realised that they couldn't see French films because he didn't speak French. So they thought, oh, there's a massive international community in Paris that I'm sure would love to see French films, but can't because there's no subtitles, English subtitles. So um, if you go on Fren- Lost in Translation um, Facebook page or their website, they put on French films, both classics and new ones with English subtitles. And um, before the screenings, they do like a little cocktail hour as well. So you can show up to the to the cinemas and you can meet, um, if you live in Paris or are visiting, uh, you can meet other travellers or international people uh, international people living in the city and meet fellow travellers and film fans. So I thought that was really cool about Paris. That should be in more cities, but I've not found yeah. any others. That's, that's really cool. But Very cool. Yeah. All right, you're number three. Okay, number three is definitely obscure. Number three, I'm really excited about this one. It's Malta. Um, Malta is the gift that keeps on giving in terms of an eclectic mix of filming locations. Um, It's not an obvious choice, but it's absolutely amazing. Um, Because of Malta's position, like just underneath Italy, um, above North Africa, it's got this fantastic climate and the, all of these limestone buildings. It's got like a very desert. It's got cactuses growing, like very deserty look about it. Um, it lends itself to a lot of other places that aren't Malta, unfortunately. Malta should really be loved for Malta, but it's it's kind of lends itself to a lot of other locations. Um, and it's got a fantastic varied military history as well. Um, again, probably because of its location where it is in the middle of the sea. Um, so it's got all of these forts, <laughs> like an absolute ton of forts um, and all of these 
harbors and um and things like that which lend themselves very well to ancient greece and ancient rome so um there's a fort in particular that i'm thinking of called fort ricasoli which is quite near the capital of valletta that has lent itself to films like gladiator from 2000 and troy as well um filmed in malta um so yeah lots of locations like that in the forts around there um another slightly less touristed place to visit for game of thrones fans because season one was filmed there just season one um as king's landing which was shot in the maltese city of medina and um, a lot of scenes around um daenerys mother of dragons was on the north island of gozo as well um so but but not def but nowhere near as busy as Dubrovnik so that's a good alternative if you do want to visit some Game of Thrones filming locations um Malta's a great choice and um and also as well the 1980 film uh Popeye starring Robin Williams that was filmed in Malta and not only that they built like this jaunty huge fishing village set and it's still there and you can visit it it's like its own little theme park attraction yeah Popeye the 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 set from Popeye from 1980 is the there. Set from Popeye from no 1980. Yep, is still there. It's it's called Popeye Village. You can you can visit. Have I'm I'm sure fish there <laughs> um, and walk around all of the sets. But yeah, it's an actual attraction. They kept it. It's that's how random is that? That's Malta. fascinating. Well, everybody, <laughs> start to get your bicep curls going and get your can of spinach ready and head <laughs> down to Malta. That's cool. If you don't get those references, then you're going to have to just watch Popeye from 1980 <laughs> or something. Anyway, all right, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. You're number two. Okay, number two, we've already kind of mentioned it. It's, um, it's not really obscure, but I think it's one location that people, it's a country that people might dismiss because of its very famous film and locations, but I think is still worth visiting if you are a film fan. And that is the locations in Thailand. So I am talking about James Bond's Island from The Man with the Golden Gun. And I am talking about um, the locations in Bangkok from The Hangover Part 2 <laughs> and some locations in the beach as well. This is totally like um, very backpacker kind of <laughs> fair definitely mainstream but, uh film location very mainstream tourist, film, film tourism right yeah which i think probably that's fine probably wouldn't be worth it if you're not a big film fan they might seem very touristed they might seem like you know you're hitting you're definitely hitting the the tourist trail there but i absolutely loved them <laughs> um, and i think they're definitely worth visiting if you are a film fan still um you know go up the labua sky sky bar and have a hangover teeny because that is a cocktail that they definitely make um and you know walk around chinatown and and recognize all the locations from the hangover part two i think that's absolutely fine like what you know why why not i i, st I still love them i just think that they're they're places that people might write off if you're not a film fan which is totally fair enough but if you are a film fan i think they're still amazing places to visit although if you do want to visit the bridge on the river kwai that was not shot in thailand that was shot in sri lanka just in case anyone anyone thinks that that was from the film bridge on the river kwai not not filmed in <laughs> it's always 
funny when you hear, you know, these films, they, they set them in these certain locations, but then they actually film them somewhere else. So like we just watched The Revenant uh, the other night. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. With Leonardo DiCaprio. And we're like, yeah. just so many beautiful nature shots. And my wife and I were like, well, you know, where was this shot? And it was supposed to be like Wyoming, but it was actually shot in, in Canada. Yeah. Up in the Canadian Rockies. The same place that doubled for Wyoming and Brokeback Mountain, I guess, too. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, wow, this is epic scenery. So I can see the draw and like, hey, I'm going to go visit some of this epic scenery in this this area of Canada because yeah, I saw that in the film and I didn't, I, you know, well, so many beautiful shots. Like, hey, like maybe go check that out in person one day, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, so, <laughs> it's so funny, the locations that you assume like, oh, that definitely looks like, you know, Thelma and, the, Thelma and Louise, like, oh, that absolutely looks like the Grand Canyon, but it's actually like, dead horse point state park in utah or something like that so it's yeah some some sneaky ones there that people have got to do their research (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure all right um and i like you know that you throw in like a sort of for lack of a better term super touristy kind of destination because why not you know it's like i always kind of poo-poo this idea of like well i'm not gonna go to machu picchu it's too touristy well like what do you mean it's still machu picchu you know it's just like this incredible ancient place in the middle of the jungle in mountains. It's, you know, yeah, it's th- okay. I think it's all about being mindful of going to the places that you would appreciate. Like I'm not going to go to a bunch of very um, eclectic art galleries, even if they're like the top thing to do there, because I might not appreciate them as much as, so, you know, if you, if you're going to appreciate filming locations, if you love James Bond films and, you know, then you're still going to appreciate it. Even if people have told you that it's, you know, that you might not. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, do we need a drum roll here for number one? (laughs) Here we go. Uh oh, a lot of pressure. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, no, number one's a good one. So I have to say, it's it's gonna have to be Harry Potter related. I'm guessing. Uh, it is. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> it's Scotland. 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 Yeah. Is, is absolutely even though it's just right above the border for me it is the best place is it's obviously you know it's a country but it's the best place that i've been to for filming locations because you just have the best of both worlds with scotland you have the you have the cinematic landscapes and the mountains and the all the castles and everything um, that have lent themselves to fantasy and period films but then you also have you know the um the the cities like Edinburgh and Glasgow and um, like tons of films have been shot there as well. So really, no matter what what kinds of films that you're into, Scotland will have it. It's just, it's the best. Um, so you can start out with somewhere going like the Isle of Skye and, um, you know, Where Highland. you were working at a hostel for a little while, yes, right? Yes, I worked in, I worked at a hostel in the Isle of Skye and it was absolutely amazing. So I got to visit all of these um filming locations there like um the 2007 film stardust was shot at the fairy glen which is absolutely amazing it's like these really weird conical hills that lend themselves perfectly to a film called stardust and um the film highlander was shot in the cooling hills and you've got um a recent netflix film outlaw king was shot at coral beach there and the kerrang hills have been seen in so so many films like um there's this British cult classic called The Wicker Man and the 2015 film Macbeth was shot there. And um, yes, yeah, so, so many filming locations um, on the Isle of Skye. And then, of course, if you move a little bit further south, 
you'll reach Glenfinnan Viaduct, which is famous for its appearance in the Harry Potter films. It's the bridge that the Hogwarts Express crosses um, through a lot of the films, which is definitely worth the hype if you're a Harry Potter fan. It is amazing to see in person, definitely. And there's tons of other um, picturesque locks around the area as well that were featured in, featured in Harry Potter. Um, so the, the landscapes are amazing. And in terms of um, Scottish castles as well, the most prolific castle has to be Dune Castle, which is a great day trip from Edinburgh. It's quite it's quite nearby. Um, it's known if you're a fan of 1970s British comedy. It was in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, it was also in Outlaw King. It was in the pilot episode of Game of Thrones. It was in um, the most popular TV show Scot- shot in Scotland at the moment, Outlander. Um, I know a film blogger actually from the US who was who planned her honeymoon in Scotland because of Outlander. Uh, really? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Outlander is so funny because it's one of those TV shows that um, has its. Maybe people have briefly heard of it, kind of in, in in passing, but it has such diehard fans who absolutely love Outlander. And there's probably a hundred filming locations all around Scotland. I love it; it's amazing. Um, Blackness. Blackness Castle is also a really good one, not too far from Edinburgh. That was in Outlander as well. Um, but if you're waiting for me to talk about Braveheart locations, you'll be waiting a long time because that was shot in Ireland. Just to oh, really, to, I was I thinking know, about Braveheart. I was like, cr- yeah, crushing everyone's dreams. Yeah, Braveheart was. It was kind of a little bit shot in Scotland, but mainly, mainly Ireland. So yeah, fantastic cinematic landscapes, castles all over Scotland, and then of course you've got films like Train Spotting that were shot in Edinburgh and, and Glasgow, and even even one of the most recent Avengers films, Avengers Infinity War, had an amazing fight scene right on Edinburgh's Royal Mile. Um, There's just so, so many all over Scotland. um, So many filming locations. Um, Yeah, it's a fantastic place to visit for film lovers. Awesome. Okay, so let's just kind of recap where we've been. At number five, we went to the Lakes District and we, number four, cruised down to Paris and we cruised further down to Malta at number three. Then... Took a big leap across to Thailand at number two, came back to Europe to Scotland yeah. for number one. What a list! Do you you mentioned some honorable mentions? I have to Was mention there? a few because I think there's some glaring. Go there's some glaring. I've, I've got a co- I've got a couple. Yeah, that okay. I've been to. Okay, which yeah. ones have you been to? Well, well, I I, I want to hear yours first. All right. <laughs> I was going to say obviously. I was uh, well. I was going to say it's the elephant in the room, but maybe I should say it's the olifant in the room for any game, uh, any Lord of the Rings fans out there. Obviously, Hobbiton, um, you know, and New Zealand. Yep, yeah. and the rest of the films were shot all over North Island and South Island as well. So there's just locations everywhere. That's obviously a big, a big gap on my film filming locations list thus far. Um, even Australia as well, Mad Max, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, and also Iceland as well is really good for Game of Thrones and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And there have been a few others as well. And of course, Italy. Italy's probably the country I've been to the most, but I just couldn't pick like one region that was better than any others. But um, yeah, like Roman Holiday and um, fairly recent films like Call Me By Your Name and The Talented Mr. Ripley and you know, filming locations in Tuscany and Venice is just tons. So yeah, they've got to be some honorable mentions. Nice. Thanks for sharing those. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device. 
built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. One, it's not like the most attractive city to go to, but it's the town I grew up in, Newtown, Pennsylvania. There were some scenes from Signs, the movie Signs. Do you remember with Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix? Shot in my very hometown. So they like did like that took over like the old pharmacy there and did like a scene there. And there was this pizza place where they did a scene and they turned it into, yeah. So that was kind of cool because right in our hometown, it was like a big deal because, you know, these Hollywood people were coming to, (laughs) you know, this, this small suburban Philadelphia town. M night Shyamalan is from the Philadelphia area. So he shoots all of his movies in Philadelphia uh, and around. So there are a lot of film locations for uh, those M night Shyamalan fans around Philadelphia. And then uh, I love the Western United States, you know, something about uh, something mystical and magical about the Western landscape, you know, waking up, I remember sleeping on top of a van, it's another story, and waking <laughs> up and seeing uh, Monument Valley with the moon oh, yeah. in, in the middle. So you got these, it's in the middle of uh, basically Arizona, not in the middle of the state, but like in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. And uh, you got these iconic rock formations that come up and you've seen them in a lot of Western films, you know, from over many decades. Uh, It was like where uh, there's a a, probably the more one of the more modern scenes that is known is when Forrest Gump is running. Yeah. America (laughs) and he's got the long beard. There's a scene with the if you see the Red Desert, if you remember that scene with like the rocks coming out and and Forrest Gump, that's Monument Valley. So, uh, I mean, just such a beautiful wonderful gorgeous place to visit so oh my goodness yeah um, no it, it's funny because I've, I've kind of been put, putting off going to the to us and filming locations because i just i'm just so overwhelmed with the choice <laughs> it's like where on earth do you go first there's just su- such great ones everywhere there um, you go go to monument valley yeah <laughs> don't <laughs> Number one don't go to newtown pennsylvania first <laughs> go, to, go to monument valley and you've already been to pennsylvania you scratch that off i guess so yeah um <laughs> How did you like working at a hostel? I, I just wanted to chat with you about that. What was that experience like? Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. I love workaways. Funnily enough, at, at the time we're talking, I've my bed, I'm in, sitting in my bedroom and my bed is covered in things I'm packing because I'm about to go and do another workaway at a hostel in Edinburgh tomorrow. So clearly I had a I had a good time. But yeah, no, I, the Isle of Skye is... Um, 
it, it's just it's just absolutely beautiful and work workaways are amazing in general they're just such a good way to, to work info is the, yes. the website yeah. where you can find the you know some of these like work exchange programs essentially yeah and like even though covid's going on you're still able to that's still some yeah so in, so at the time um we're talking at the uk at the moment like yeah uh hotels hostels and everything are, are open um so i'm staying i'm staying firmly in the uk for now um but yeah places like that are, are opening and stuff so i'm gonna stay in edinburgh for it i'm worried about uh backpacker hostels because mm. of the you know, I mean, the whole model is built on people congregating together and sharing, and, and that's what keeps it, you know, affordable. And if those go away, you know, you're going to be left with luxury, you know, sort of hotels and isolate, you know, and that, and that's, I mean, not that they can ever totally go away, but I mean, the industry's been hit super hard, so um, it's it it's definitely could be a th- a thing that a lot of them shut down. I mean, I think it's already happening, so it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it's it's definitely tough. Um, I mean, the hostel I'm going to, I know, is is called like a pod hostel, so the beds are all kind of like split off. And I and I mean, I'm not sure how many how many guests are allowed in in hostels. I guess it depends on capacity. But yeah, it, it's it's a t- it's a tough one. I, I guess um, my view to going to do this work in Edinburgh is that other people in the UK have kind of had to go back to work other people of who work in hotels and hostels you know if they're if 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 their job is opening up I guess that they kind of have to have that kind of normalcy I mean it's so it's so different at the moment country to country and things are changing and borders are open and closing like so so often it's it's difficult to say um you know what what it's going to look like you know next month next week but yeah at the, at the moment I'm kind of ready to stay in 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 one place at least for um for a decent amount of time and as things are opening I guess I just I guess I kind of see it of well if they're opening and it's a it's okay and it's safe and measures have been put in place then I'd also quite like to resume some sort of normalcy as well um I guess so yeah yeah cool well good luck with that uh you know a couple we're not going to end on the the COVID note, right? <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I, I just wanted you to share some advice on, I know you've been to the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, um, yeah. And you said people totally can in the email, which was funny because I love puns. Yeah, so talk about film festivals. I mean, it sounds like it's something that you can do. It's obviously another film-related excuse to travel, but it sounds like you can also be a part of the parties and, you know, meet some of the the people in the films and things like that. Like what's your best advice for attending a film festival? Um, my best advice is especially one like can is that um, to look and look and see what their accreditation looks like, because you might be surprised and um, you might think, Oh, I can't go to the Venice film festival. It's for industry people, or I can't go to Cannes. It's for industry people, or I can't go to Sundance or whatever the, big um big film festivals are near you um but definitely look to see if there are <laughs> i don't want to say loopholes but um if there are any kind of ways you could interpret um the accreditation <laughs> <laughs> loopholes <laughs> <laughs> other ways you can interpret other, yeah because for example for can like i i went on a on a cinephile pass but all you had to be was part of a 
a, a cinema association. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> what does the cinema, right. what does the cinema what does association that mean? mean? <laughs> um, and I, I'm part of the large association of movie blogs. I also needed to provide a membership card. I don't have a membership card. I kind of I kind of screenshot an area on the website where it says I'm a member um, and kind of sent that as my as, as my accreditation card. And they, and they accepted it. It was fine. So, um, so yeah. Another example of where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yes. It's like, yeah, well, then you could probably join some organization. Maybe you pay like 30 bucks for the year or something. Be like, here, I'm a member. All right, let me in. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I would definitely say if you want to attend the bigger film festivals, don't look at their website, look at their accreditation list, see if there's, see if there's ways you can do it because they absolutely can. And, you know, for other bigger film festivals as well, like Berlin is probably the biggest public film festival, if not in Europe, the world. Um, and I would just say book your tickets as, as early in advance and also attend some of the events if you can as well, because then you're going to meet other other international film film lovers as well and they're just they're just another way of seeing um of of appreciating a different place from a from a film fan's perspective so yeah i definitely recommend film festivals there they're great can was great yeah if you could spend a travel day with any fictional character who would you spend it with i've thought about this (laughs) (laughs) oh here i am thinking i'm asking something you never thought about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm gonna and I'm gonna pick a really um, cliche answer as well. I'm gonna say Jack Dawson from Titanic because he's got a really adventurous spirit. You know, he won his ticket on the Titanic in a poker game. He likes, you know, living out of his backpack. He's a free spirit. Whereas I sometimes need a bit of a bit of um, persuading sometimes to get out of my comfort zone and, and you know be a bit more adventurous. So I think he'd be a really good travel companion because he would just drag me to do all the things i'd be apprehensive about so yeah jack dawson from titanic he'd be a great there you go try not to be with him when he when they accuse him of stealing that diamond thing don't go on the titanic with him no just miss miss off that that part yeah miss forget that part (laughs) all right uh now what about sitting down to dinner with somebody you admire in film a, a real person who would you who would you choose and why someone i admire in film the, the first one that, that came to mind was Wes Anderson, the director. I I mean, the, the look of his films, I would definitely want to ask him. I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to ask him for, for him to, you know, um, decorate, uh, be an interior design, like a house that I b- might buy in the future, because that would mm-hmm. look absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> but also like, yeah, his filming locations are really great. And he's just such a, he's got just such a particular creative vision that yeah it's a I'd, unique aesthetic that he has yeah definitely so he'd definitely be someone that i'd love to have a have a conversation with just try and try and get into the mind of wes anderson i think that would be very interesting yeah well i saw on your website uh and we should promote it one more time almost ginger.com if you're interested in this topic check it out use some great stuff there and um you said you're mildly obsessed with Nordic and Scandinavian culture. So if you come over to Oslo, let me know because I'm here. You you mentioned having a couple tattoos and I wanted to know what the Bob Dylan quote is that you have. <laughs> the Bob Dylan quote is, where I'm bound, I can't tell. Yeah, it's a lyric cool. from his song, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right um on his on one of his first albums so yeah and i got that done when i was a camp counselor in in pennsylvania that was a very that was a very um spontaneous travel <laughs> decision <laughs> so yeah but it's a, it's a good one where i'm bound i can't tell nice awesome well thank you so much for your time this was super fun do you have um anything else you want to share before we let you go 
Yeah, just my blog, reallyalmostginger.com. Um, and I'm also on, on Twitter and Instagram. And my handle is almostginger without the E. And um, anyone can feel free to, to get reach me through those channels. Or my email is literally Rebecca at almostginger.com. I'd absolutely love to be any other film and location fan. So yeah, feel free to reach out for me. And yeah, almostginger.com is where you can find me. Awesome. Cool. It was super fun. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, let's stay in touch. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. Thanks, Jason. All right. Take care. There you have it. My chat with Rebecca. And if you love film and you love travel, you can check out her website. Again, it's almostginger.com. She was super fun to talk to and uh, just reminded me about how much I love to find excuses like this to travel. It's just a fun way to maybe end up in some destinations that you wouldn't have normally gone to, right? Like it's kind of the obvious thing, but like, oh, well, let's uh, let's go visit the Eiffel Tower or whatever. Okay, well, that's like a thing that, you know, if you're going to France and you're going through Paris, you're probably going to go see that. But going to some other neighborhood because you saw it in a film or something just because, and it's a neighborhood that maybe has quote unquote nothing to see which, you know, I'm a big fan of just kind of wandering around and seeing whatever anyway. It's nice to see some of the sites, but I don't like to spend all my days seeing the sites because, I don't know, that gets a little uh, old. I like to just kind of wander around and end up in weird uh, neighborhoods and eat in places that are, I don't know, calling to me for whatever reason, even though they're not uh, maybe anything special, whatever. I guess that's all subjective, just like this list was today, but... That's the fun part about travel, right? You're like the artist. You get to paint your canvas as a traveler. You get to paint your experiences. You don't really know how they're going to turn out. You don't maybe even know what color the paint's going to be. You don't know how it's going to land on the canvas. But you get out there and you can uh, just show up and kind of create uh, art in real life with your with your physical body just being in different spaces and interacting with different people. It's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, listen to me. I've been doing this podcast for what, over seven years, and still I can't not get excited about travel when I talk about it, right? It's just one of those things. It's like, I don't think I'll ever not love it. You know, some interests in life kind of come and go. I just don't see that happening with travel. It's just always so fun to just check out new places, meet new people. I imagine you feel the same way because you're here. By the way, if you are just listening for the first time, there could be uh, some people out there listening for the first time. Welcome. Uh, I hope you uh, decide to stick around. I've got plenty of shows in the archives, and I've got a couple things here I want to leave you with before I let you go. Of course, I promised to share my top three excuses to travel, as if I needed an excuse to travel, but I thought this would be fun to share with you. And I've also got to shout out somebody in the community who sent me a nice voicemail on email with a question about uh, seasonal work. So we'll get to that in a second. First, I do want to remind you that Tortuga Backpacks is supporting today's show, and they have a killer sale happening this holiday season, which they never do this time of year, November 17th through the 21st. These are my favorite backpacks for a variety of reasons. They're just so well designed. They have like all of the sort of bells and whistles that you would want to stay organized, but it's not overkill, 
right? You can stay super, super organized without kind of getting confused and forgetting, all right, where did I put that? Where is this? They're super minimal and streamlined, comfortable, versatile. I use them when I'm traveling. I use them when I'm home. Just all around incredible backpacks. If you're not sure which one is for you, by the way, they have a great backpack finder quiz right on their website that you can just go and answer a bunch of questions and they'll tell you which bags that uh, they recommend for your exact situation. So that's a wonderful tool. Also, this try on at home program, which is great. You can order it and try it out for 30 days. You know, put your stuff in it, carry it around, see if you like it. And if you don't, they will let you ship it back for free and send it back. So you've really got nothing to lose. And this sale is uh, again, a rare thing. This is the deal. You spend 200 bucks, you get 20% off. 300, you get 25% off. 500, you get 30% off. And if you go to tortugabackpacks.com slash zero, spell out the word zero, Z-E-R-O, tortugabackpacks.com slash zero, you can take advantage of this sale and all the stuff I just talked about. Again, it runs November 17th through the 21st. So I know people are looking for gift ideas, Uh, during this time of year. And here you go. Here's a gift idea for yourself and for other uh, travel lovers that you know, friends or family. So take advantage of the sale. They don't do Black Friday deals ever. It's a special year and a special thing that's happening. So thanks again to them for supporting today's show. Now, I have been asking all of you beautiful souls out there in the community to send me a voicemail if you get a chance. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your voice. And uh, you can do that just by opening up your smartphone and opening up your voice recorder app and just recording a message and emailing it to me, jason at zerototravel.com. I'm so grateful when I get these and I get to hear from some listeners because I really do believe this is a two-way conversation. This is your show, my friend. This is a community-powered show. Uh, I am so lucky to be able to host it, but I want to hear from you and I want uh, you to hear from other people in the community as well. It's nice to match some uh, voices and names to some of the other uh, listeners out there that are listening alongside you. You're never alone when you're listening to this podcast and uh, you can feel that energy. That's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to share with you a voice message I got from a listener named Jenna and she had a question at the end, which I'll answer. So uh, let me play that now. Hey, Jason, it's Jenna. I've been listening to your podcast for about two or three months now, and I just absolutely love them. I left a job after 15 years in manufacturing. Um, Great paying, good benefits, great holidays um, for something a little bit more seasonal. I needed to escape the four walls. So I'm working at a golf and country club, listening to your podcast. Absolutely love being outside. But my husband will be retiring in about five or six years, and we're looking to probably just go explore the world and maybe doing a little bit of seasonal work. So if you have any podcasts that pertain to that, I'll be looking forward to listening to them. And if you have any suggestions, throw them my way. Thanks. Thank you, Jenna, for taking the time to record that. Lovely to hear your voice. And congratulations on leaving the job to, quote unquote, escape the four walls. Give it up for Jenna. And she's getting out there and doing something different because she had enough. 
of the of the job. So uh, I always love to hear uh, that. That always inspires me when people take action that, to change their situation. So uh, way to go, Jenna. And your question, I wanted to answer that uh, for you. This is uh, an important point, actually. Depending on where you listen to the podcast, I know, uh, for example, in uh, the iTunes podcasts, uh, with Apple, they only show the last 300 episodes. Not It's not because I'm blocking any of them. Uh, I do have more than 300 episodes, but that's all they allow into the feed. So you can always go to zerototravel.com and just search. Use the search bar to find episodes related to something that you want to do in terms of travel because I have a lot of episodes and chances are if you want to do it, I've done an episode on it. So I just did a quick search on zerototravel.com. I entered seasonal. Uh, I found some shows how to find seasonal jobs in great places. Uh, Another show, how to have fun, make money, and travel the world with seasonal jobs. How to find life-changing seasonal jobs. Another episode, there's an episode on Alaskan fishing jobs, which is part of the travel job series, which is a whole series of uh, episodes that I've done. So plenty in the archives. I know uh, with podcast apps, sometimes it's hard to find those specific episodes that you want. So I thought this was an important point to bring up for the community. Just go to the website, zerototravel.com, and search, and you're uh, probably going to find an episode related to whatever it is that you want to learn, whether it's seasonal jobs, uh, how to travel the world with your cat, or uh, really anything else. Uh, I've had some very incredible conversations over the years with a lot of uh, people that have done amazing things. You know, living that, I guess... Travel lifestyle, that alternative, sort of unconventional. We like to do things a little different. I, I like to think this uh, this audience here, kind of uh, maybe looking at life a little differently in, in some ways. And uh, I love that. I dig that. Thank you, Jenna. And, uh, you know, if you haven't taken the time to write, drop me a line, Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. Drop me a review. I read all those. Or, uh, you know, send me an audio message like this so I can keep playing these on the shows. So great to hear voices from the community, isn't it? Don't be shy. Don't be shy now. Don't be afraid. Just uh, open up that audio app. You got something to say. Everybody's got something to say. And uh, you have a voice that deserves to be heard. So uh, just share with me uh, anything. Introduce yourself. If you have a question like Jenna did, you can ask that. If you uh, just want to say hi and and whatever, give us some travel tips or share a story, just, uh, just do it. Do it. So thank you once again to Jenna for taking the time to do that. Now, before I let you go, I got two things. I'm going to leave you with a quote, but I have to share with you my top three favorite excuses to travel. Now, these might not be hard to figure out if you've listened to any of my shows. I guess I should put these in order because I always challenge, uh, like I challenge my guests today to do that. So I'm going to say my number three favorite excuse to travel is probably music. It is music. I'll, I'll, I'll put music in at number three because just uh, going to a festival or going to a concert or uh, you know even just going to a different part of a city that I live in, like I live in Norway right now in Oslo, we went to see uh, Ian No, who did this really small gig, uh, this is before COVID, in, uh, in some bar, and I just had never been to that bar in that area of town, so it was just cool to go check that out. So, of course, you can... Uh, do this stuff at home, you know, in the safe way, of course, if, if people are having these events. I know right now COVID's ramping up pretty heavy, but uh, i to keep the travel dreams alive here. That's what we do. So I'm still going to share this stuff. Number three, music. Number two, 
nature activities. Anything nature-based. I love to hike. I love to ski. You know, I mean, what great excuse to go check out a new town. Go on a ski trip with your friends, right? Or snowboarding trip or whatever version of that is for you. Uh, You get the dual benefit of checking out a new mountain, being out in nature, getting exercise, and also maybe seeing a new town or a new place. I'm so excited when this whole pandemic ends to do more of this here in Europe because I've uh, explored the United States very heavily after spending, you know, over 10 years as a nomadic traveler and just constantly road tripping around the States. But uh, I've been around Europe, but not in that extensive way. So uh, I'm excited to put these three favorite travel excuses to use here in Europe where I live now and plenty of nature activities to be had uh, all over the world. And I can't wait to find a good excuse to just uh, go out and do something. As a matter of fact, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who was on the show, this guy Curtis, who runs a tour company here called Viking Biking. And he, uh, I was like, hey man, I want to do some kind of biking trip along like some canals in France or something where it's flat and uh, you know I can like bike all day and get a good workout and see some new things, but then I can stop and just you know, get a fresh baguette and some cheese and some awesome wine and like kick back and chill in some cool village. And uh, sure enough, he sent me a recommendation. It was this article from Travel and Leisure about a uh, new cycling route in France, a 260-mile French cycling route that will take you from Paris to Normandy. It's a scenic route and you bike through 130 French towns. How sick is that? It's called the La Seine au Velo. I don't speak French, so I probably butchered that. According to this article, it passes by Claude Monet's home, the gardens of Giverny, the Museum of Impressionism, all kinds of stuff. It just goes on and on. Yeah, that looks sick. So uh, anyway, I bookmarked that and put it on my little in my little bucket list folder on my uh, in my bookmarks. So there you go, there you go. A good excuse to to travel, right? Getting out there and uh, doing a nature activity, getting out outdoors. And my number one favorite excuse to travel nowadays is visiting friends and family. Of course, uh, this might be an even stronger number one, given that it's really hard to see people nowadays and you just miss your friends and family, right? So there is my little list. What's yours? That's an idea you can send me on an audio message, right? Your top three favorite excuses to travel. I'll recap my music, nature activities, getting outside, camping, hiking, skiing, whatever, and visiting friends and family. So thank you to everybody that has taken the time to listen to this episode today. Yes, that means you. Talking to you with the headphones on out there, uh, cruising around, doing your thing, whatever it is you're doing. I want you to have a wonderful day. I'm going to reach into my, I've got a quote drawer again because I, uh, I love this Wisdom of the East calendar. This is a calendar I've been using for the last, I don't know now, 10 years probably. And my, my mom actually has to send it from America. She gets it for me every year. It's kind of like a running joke. It's like 10 bucks. It's one of those flip calendars. And it's got a little quote every day that you get to see to start your day when you peel off the, the day. So shout out to mom for giving me the wisdom of the East calendar. I already, uh, I know she already bought me one. She's sending it over to Norway, <laughs> I think next month. So I'm stoked. So anyway, I have some uh, quotes from that calendar that I've peeled off and they're randomly stuck in this desk drawer here. We finally got a little bit of an office set up here and let's see. I'll pull one out and uh, let's see what we get. Okay. Uh, all right. Here we go. This one is from Krishnamurti. 
who said, the highest form of human intelligence is the ability to observe yourself. Dong. There's some wisdom of the East. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 